Welcome to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast, where we explore the conscious use of technology. Listen in to hear thought leaders and other guests discuss the human relationship with technology and learning to thrive in the digital era. Hosted by the author of the international best-selling digital self-mastery series and being at work, Dr. Heidi Forbes Usta. Welcome back to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast. I'm really excited to introduce to you a new friend of mine, Sam Cabert, who is the host of Soul Seeker, as well as a new podcast that I'm hoping he'll tell us a little bit more about called Clone Yourself. Welcome, Sam. Hey, Heidi. Happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a treat to have you here. And we met through a podcasting event, but I didn't really get a chance to dive deep into your work. And when I heard a little bit more about it, I was very curious. Just to give us a little bit of background, because our digital selfers may not be familiar with your work, can you tell us a little bit about what you do and how you came to what you're doing right now? Yeah, of course. Thanks. So I'm from Silicon Valley, uh, born and raised, and I've worked in my family's business for I guess you could say I still do. They do office supplies. They're the last remaining office supply company independently owned in Silicon Valley, if you can believe it. I do swag, which is promotional products, branded goods. So I kind of run that through theirs. It's a DBA. And in 2016, I really noticed like, yeah, I was on some boards and I chaired the young professionals committee and whatnot. But I was like, I need to stand out. And how do you stand out in Silicon Valley as a guy that sells swag and maybe some office supplies on the side, right? You know, because that's that's pretty tough to stand out in such a tech community. And that's when I found podcasting. I got into podcasting in 2017 and kind of never looked back. I started a media network and we launched six podcasts. I had a few of my own. Within a year, I wrote three books. I now have a couple of YouTube shows and yeah, I released two more podcasts in 2019. And most recently, uh, Silicon Valley Business Journal named me to their 40 under 40 list. So uh, definitely have been uh, grinding away since I decided to get into the content marketing world. Well, it's so interesting. Along with you, I am in the process of launching a new podcast myself. It's kind of addicting. There's yeah, something right. really yeah. magical about it. It's like, oh, well, this is a really cool topic. And it's such a great opportunity to have deep conversations with people in a very intimate environment, because it's really sort of forced one-on-one without distraction, other noise and, and other things. And there's something really, you know, it's a beautiful experience. I think a lot of us that come into this space are actually introverts that have been forced to be extroverts. And it gives mm. us an opportunity to sort of be that introvert, but share with a much wider audience. Do you feel you fit into that description? I like that. I like that a lot. I'm an enigma. Uh, you know, I'd say growing up, I was probably very introverted. And then anyone that knows me would say I'm extremely extroverted. And I was just at an event a couple days before us recording right now. And someone looked to me and we had been talking earlier in the event. And then I was kind of quiet during one of the breakouts. And she looked at me and she goes, you're kind of a quiet guy, aren't you? And I go, well, maybe sometimes, you know, but I definitely bounce back and forth between my energy being very extrovert in a leader type of way to just being more of an observer and introvert. So I'm, I'm kind of a balance, I'd say. But that's an interesting observation about podcasters being introverts now challenging themselves, essentially, right? Well, absolutely. Yeah. I think to that point, a lot of it is really understanding sort of what 
what is it ultimately that we want to be able to achieve? And, you know, having that close connection with people that you have the opportunity to do in podcasting enables you to actually have that impact, but in a very different way than having to stand on a stage, which is very intimidating for some people. Or for me, it's more intimidating. I don't mind being on a stage, but being in conferences with masses of people and having to sort of have that chit-chatty part before you actually get into the deep conversation, that's the part that scares me. Yeah, I think we can all relate to that for sure. <laughs> Good stuff. So tell me a little bit more about how you ended up in Soul Seeker. And you told me a little bit your story before, but can you share that with our digital selfers a little bit? Because I think it's there's one thing with content marketing, but there's another piece that's really about personal development and understanding how you can reach that place. Yeah, of course. I'd love to. So Soul Seeker is a podcast I started in probably, I'd say about August of 2019. So at the time of recording, brand, brand, brand new. And previously, I had a podcast called What Up Silicon Valley, which we rebranded to the Sam and Surge Show because we created a media company called What Up. And the Sam and Surge Show is a movers and shakers show of people in Silicon Valley. And I had a podcast called Mojo Mondays, which is all about inspiration, motivation, starting off your week strong and goal setting and things like that. I had a podcast called Brand Hero, which was about marketing and whatnot. And Mojo Money's and Brand Hero I don't do anymore. So at the time, I had already these three experiences in podcasting that were pretty much all business focused. And I helped a few friends launch their podcasts on our media network. And I'm the type of entrepreneur that battles depression. You know, it's one of those things, it's self-diagnosed. It's one of those things where I'm a goal setter and I'm constantly, constantly chasing goals. And then when I reach these goals, I almost feel more empty after Mm -hmm. reaching the goal, which is not something that you would expect. And to dive a little bit deeper in for the past three and a half years, I've been seeing the same girl off and on three and a half years, one of those typical like twin flame type relationships, right? And then it kind of coincided with the relationship being off with business really being like solid where I'm working less than four hours a day and I'm probably just not feeling challenged. And I'm working on this goal to get the 40 under 40 nomination by the business journal. And I kind of knew like, this was my year. This is going to be the year that I get it right. And I, I don't know. I just was dealing with a lot of things that maybe imposter syndrome And ayahuasca found me, which is a plant medicine from the Amazon, and it's used for healing. And uh, it's been pretty trendy in the West recent years. And I decided it was time to journey with Mother Ayahuasca. And um, after doing that, it really opened up my heart, really opened up my thoughts, really opened up a lot. And then I did a psilocybin journey for healing two weeks after that. And in between ayahuasca and um, the psilocybin journey, I was just so like moved, like my heart opened, you know, I grew up with an older brother, no sisters. So, you know, I think uh, my dad kind of dominated our family to be very male culture, you know what I mean? And you're not in touch with your feelings. So there's just amazing feeling to feel your heart open and all these emotions and be okay with it and to surrender and be vulnerable. And I had this idea in between ayahuasca and the psilocybin journey to do a season of my Mojo Mondays podcast about spirituality and maybe plant medicine. 
Because the Mojo Mondays podcast was really much more than just inspiration, motivation. Like I would touch on meditation because that's important as a human, really, not even a business person, right? So then during the psilocybin journey, I remember just it hit me like a ton of bricks. For sure, I had the ego death, you know, the awakening, all that type of stuff. But it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I was like, you cannot do a season of Mojo Mondays on spirituality, then go back to talking about business or goal setting or whatever. I go, this is an entirely different thing. So to your point earlier, when you're talking about how podcasts are addicting and all this, that's when I was like, okay, I want to do something new. I want to do something where I can learn about spirituality because I don't know anything about it. I want to talk about mindfulness only and the plants, how amazing this is. I I want to share this. How can I do this? And that's when I I was blogging a a lot. And that's why I knew I would start a new podcast. And then this was probably around May and I probably launched Soul Seeker around August. So you're talking like a pretty quick turnaround. And Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of the evolution of Soul Seeker. Yeah. That's fascinating. And, and I love the way that you, you know, you turned it into something much more powerful than just your own journey, but sharing that journey so that others can open up to different options for them to get in touch with themselves and to get in touch with their potential. Because there is a lot of ego that gets in the way that creates that imposter syndrome that we re- we all struggle with. And, and some people are more willing to approach it and to to look at it and evaluate it and do something with it and other people just power through, which unfortunately causes all kinds of negative health effects and lifestyle decisions that maybe aren't so conducive to thriving both for themselves and for their businesses. What do you say, I mean, obviously, this show is really about the human relationship with technology and how that changes the way that we work, the way that we live, how it changes different industries. For you, you moved from a space of office supplies, then swag, which swag is like, I I love that space because I think there's so many really cool things that you can do, even with technology, that sort of remind people how to have a good relationship with technology. And we can get into that further, but sort of the evolution of sort of wanting to share ideas and using technology from being in something that was really very it's a physical product that you were working with before. How has that changed the way you see your work and potential and what's technology's role in that? So sorry, if it's a big question, but tackle whichever one you want. No, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, office supplies never interested me. I, I grew up in the family business, seeing my parents do it and all that. It was never something that I saw myself doing. I was a recreation major at Chico State. So, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do with it, but I knew I, in high school, I was like, all I want to do is go to the lake in board shorts and sandals. And that'd be my job. Uh, maybe it'd be like a wakeboard instructor or whatever, run, you know, a wakeboard camp or something, you know, I just like boats. And that was kind of like the thoughts. And then one thing led to another and I started a swag business in college and then merged it with the family business. And the whole time I was really fighting it. I remember I graduated in 2011. And when I joined family business, it was 2012. And I was really looking into marketing automation. And it's it wasn't like what it's like now. And I remember immersing myself in the technology. And around that time, 
my parents really wanted me to sell office supplies because they didn't know the swag side too much. Like they kind of dabbled in it, but they didn't really have any success in it. They were like, we know office supplies. You should do that. So I go, okay, I'm fighting it, trying to do office supplies. And I would set up like these email campaigns and all this type of stuff with office supplies. And it just, it didn't resonate. And then when I did go full-time with swag, I tried that too. And it just didn't really work. And, um, to fast forward a little bit, I'm actually joining a mastermind, which I'm extremely excited about. It's something I've been thinking about for a few years. And, you know, it's now that I've been in the content world since 2017, it's not that long. But in previously, when I would look at joining a mastermind or things like that, I was like, okay, but all I can sell is promotional products. All I can sell is swag, right? Like that doesn't, that doesn't really translate to the type of things that most people would do in a mastermind. So it feels good to just not know why I've been podcasting and doing YouTube and writing books and building the personal brand and just doing it because it feels right. And now it kind of culminating into me having this new offer where I'm teaching entrepreneurs how to scale their businesses by working with virtual assistants. And I'm a case study. Because I've scaled myself and cloned myself by working with VAs and my sales go up every year and I work less than four hours a day. So it's it's a total case study. And now I have something because of this technology that I've been using where I can actually help others and it goes with my mission of Soul Seeker as well. So I know there's a bunch of different brands and things that came up and I'm, I'm a hard guy to follow with all these different identities. Well, yes and no. I mean, I would say it's actually one of those classic cases of yes and. And and one of the things that, I mean, a lot of the conversation in our house is that each of the things that we do feed into who we are and make us much richer people in the end and make us more, you know, make us able to do what we do even better. So, I mean, I think of, for example, I'm always looking at different ways that, you know, using swag or using the right kind that actually helps people to trigger to think more about the work that they're doing with me with digital well-being and trying to understand. So it's simple things like, you know, I wish people could actually see what I'm doing, but, you know, getting like little clips that you can put all your cables together. So cables don't become a distraction and a stress factor. Little things like that, that have your name on them, can create this continuity in your message. And it gives you the opportunity to tell people about your podcast, to tell people about your work and in a funny little physical thing. And so I don't see, I personally don't see a disconnect between all of the things you're doing. I think, you know, each thing contributes to what makes Sam a wonderful being and what makes Sam's message so powerful because you have this experience, this wealth of experience both in that physical space and growing to a place where you're digging deeper into your soul. And then you're figuring out a way to scale the new Sam. And, you know, with help of a virtual assistant, it's, there's continuity there in, in my mind. Maybe I'm just a little bit crazy. No, you're just following it. You're following the story really well. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> well, we all have circuitous journeys. And I think, you know, one of the one of the messages that, that I often work really strongly with is the importance of recognizing that we're all anomalies, you know, that the anomaly mm. is the norm. There really is no normal. And whatever that is, is weird because, right. you know, and if you are, then you need to go do some work because, you know, we're complex beings and that's a beautiful thing. 
And technology enables us to do that and to be that. So I think it's pretty cool. So tell me a little bit more. I am fascinated about this whole virtual assistant thing. And I think one of the challenges that I've always had, and I often am, you know, sort of preaching delegate, 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 you know, there's so many things that other people are better at that they can do really fast and that you're, you know, you're giving them a job. And if you count, you know, what the value of your time is, usually paying for a virtual assistant or paying for someone to help you is cheaper than wasting the time and spinning and spinning and spinning when you're not really good at something or you don't know how to do it. So do you have some good tips for people that are trying to figure out the whole, like, how do I make it worth it to get a virtual assistant? How do I find the right virtual assistant? There's a whole process there that I think is really intimidating and scary for people. Oh, totally. And I've been there. Yeah, I'll walk you through all of it. I just want to touch on the ROI factor because I totally, and just to go back to the swag thing, like uh, I had a business coach years ago and he wanted me to like use the ROI of swag in my sales approach. And it just, we tried so many different ways and there's, you just can't really do it, but it always playing that seed in my head. So my virtual assistants create an online ROI calculator on our website, which is sweet. It's super cool. Basically you go to cloneyourselfu.com and there's just a button at the top and you plug in what you value your time as. And most entrepreneurs value their time at hundred dollars an hour, right? So then on the other side, you put your VA's time. And for the specific example that resonates with a lot of people, especially content creators is graphic design because we find ourselves doing graphic design on something like Canva, which is an amazing online tool that helps non-graphic designers do design. I'll say that again. Canva is a tool that helps non-graphic designers do design. So right there in itself, it levels the playing field. So it's like, okay, well, why are we spending that task doing it ourselves? So if we say uh, we're spending an hour, just easy numbers here, and our time is $100 an hour, we're spending $100 on design, right? Whereas a good, reliable, very good virtual assistant, $30 an hour graphic design. Like you could obviously go way less expensive. So this is conservative talk. Say that person, since they're a specialist, they can do it in half the time you can do it, right? So now we're looking at $30 an hour at half hour, which would be $15. So you could pay someone to do that 60 minutes of your time, get that 60 minutes back save a hundred dollars of your time and spend just $15. And then you can scale it up from there and use the calculator for all kinds of different tasks. So there's definitely a ton of ROI with virtual assistants. And to break it down most simply, it's focus on your strengths and delegate for your weaknesses because your weaknesses will become your greatest strengths. So, um, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you 100%. I mean, you're <laughs> preaching to the choir on that one. As I mentioned, though, I would say my biggest challenge with that, and part of that is being an Enneagram one, and I battle my perfectionist all the time. And that perfectionist is not necessarily perfect. It's more that I have this idea of what it's supposed to be like. And to get somebody else to do that, it takes a lot of energy and time for me to to be clear in my communication, to be able to delegate it to someone to do it the way I want it done. Do you have tips and tricks for that? Because I know that that is not a unique problem. I know a lot of people are not really good at explaining what they want to get done. And so they're disappointed by the end result. Yeah. Letting go is arguably the hardest part about working with VAs. And 
What I'm excited about in the Clone Yourself podcast is I literally am walking you through step by step from like square one in the first podcast all the way through, it might be like podcast 12 or 15. And at this point, I think there's 12 episodes up. I'm starting to do three a week. It's a newer podcast, but I'm looking at like, okay, so if I'm giving away exactly how I do it in like the first 12 episodes, what am I going to talk about after that? You know? And then, so I'll probably move it to like a tips and tricks from there, but seriously, 12 episodes for sure. Those 12, it might be a few more. There are about anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes each. So they're not long. And then um, I have an online course that walks through it. But to answer your question, I like to say two things. First, we need, actually, I'm going to say a few things. <laughs> I, I talk about the mindset shift of looking at virtual assistants as if they were your employees. Mm-hmm. For example, I used to have two employees. Now I have zero employees and my five main VAs, maybe 10 to 12 total equal less than the price of one employee. So that's one way to look at it where it's like a business model shift. Another way to look at them as employees is when I first started with virtual assistants, it was, you know, maybe close to 10 years ago after reading the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss and, you know, heard of Fiverr from friends as well. And I like to say I went to Fiverr kind of like when you go to a candy store and you fill up on taffy, you know, you do the different flavors of taffy samples and then you might buy some, you walk out and you feel unsatisfied. That's what I did with Fiverr. I didn't have a plan. You know, I just tried a little this, a little that. But when we start to recruit virtual assistants, similarly to how we would with employees, then it really puts the onus on us. We have the plan and we know exactly what we're getting into it. So after that point, when you're bringing on a new VA, I like to say tiny tasks lead to big projects. And now I'm getting a blank of the other thing I was going to tell you. Oh, subjective versus objective tasks. So an objective task would be something that's black and white and it's done incorrect or, or correct. And a subjective task, I like to say it leaves or it's an artfulness to it, you know, it leaves room for interpretation. So for that reason, I recommend starting with the objective tasks that are done correct or incorrect, because that way you can easily train them. You can easily give them feedback and it's a good way to really start the relationship, get into rhythm together. And then from there you can grow to subjective. The other tip is I'm just brain dumping on you. That's Tiny okay. Right? No, so much. Uh, Tiny tasks lead to big projects. So basically, if you have something you know you want to do, like say podcast editing, right? Instead of just giving them five podcasts to edit and be like off to the races, even before just giving them one podcast to edit, you might just take one small tiny task of that larger project, which could be putting the intro music on. And the whole purpose of tiny tasks that leads to big projects is you're evaluating them on three basic things, quality of work and then timeline and if they're following directions. So I have an email template I share. You can It's free. You can get it from the podcast. There's links, all that. But uh, basically it says what the task is. It says, hey, could you have this done by XYZ date? And please don't spend more than 60 minutes or whatever your time is on it. If you need more time, let me know. So you're looking to see if they said, oh yeah, I can do it by then. And then if they actually did, 
or if they didn't. And then if you told them like, Hey, don't spend more than 60 minutes on it. And they spent 75 or 90, you know, with these type of things, like I don't want to work with people like that. Now, if they made a mistake or the work, the quality of work wasn't entirely perfect, but they were great in terms of their communication. I'd much rather work with that person because we're doing objective tasks and I can show them the way that it needs to be done. And I know they're my tribe. So that's just a few things. I love it. And I I think, you know, there's so many good points to that. And I think, you know, again, some of us have had delegating experiences that have sort of you know, PTSD. I had the, I lost my producer for a short period of time because, well, unfortunately, she got caught up in one of the wildfires a couple mm-hmm. of years ago and was sort of out of business for about six months. And I had somebody else covering for her, and he erased all my podcasts. He deleted everything off of my Dropbox. Yeah, it was really bad. Now, fortunately, I was able to recover some of the stuff, but it was really it was one of those things where it was so traumatic that it just made me really you know, have to do a little digging for myself in the whole field of trust. So I love what you're saying about small tasks, but I think there's the other piece of having your own systems in place for working with teams so that you're not necessarily giving them access to the entire store. And it's not necessarily that they're going to break everything or leave the door wide open consciously. They may just not know better But with that small task, maybe actually delivering that in a space that's really just for them so that whatever errors they make don't have a bigger impact on your business. Do you have any tips around that or have you come across some tools that help make that easier? Yeah, that's a great example and a great idea. I know a lot of people use LastPass and different tools like that. I'm more or less a pretty trusting guy. Probably not the best to share when I'm talking about how great VAs are, but I guess it's one of those things, right? So a few years ago, I it might have been Fiverr. It could have been Upwork. I don't know, but I don't use either of those anymore. But anyways, someone I hired was helping for something, and then they actually started giving me bad reviews because I didn't give them more work. Oh, my goodness. Well, I guess there's right. always the risk of that. You know, you're public figure. Is that extortion? Like what? I don't know what that is, but the point is like that, whatever site, I'm not going to name names, but whatever site it was, there's nothing I could do to take care of that. And now I work with freeup.com with an extra E F R E E E.com. And what I love about them is they're more of a boutique agency. So we used to say in office supplies to our potential clients or our customers, like, if there's an issue, you can't get Mr. Staples or Mrs. Staples on the phone, you know, and that's why it's nice to work with a small business. And that's what free up is. You're one step away from the owner. If there mm-hmm. are any issues, which there rarely are any issues at all, but if there are any issues, you can get in touch with them and they take care of it. And they actually only take the top 1% of the freelance community. So they actually kick out freelancers when they do something wrong. So they really keep it good there. There's a lot of quality people. There's so many reasons why I love it, but I think part of why my PTSD is gone or not not here as much is because I can rely on FreeUp. And yeah. when I worked with those other household names, there was just no trust on my end. Mm-hmm. Trust was like kind of broken. And I didn't, you know, what am I going to do? Put in the support ticket, 
you know, yeah. <laughs> online chat. So, um, yeah, I don't have any direct tips, but I think you made a great point of like, instead of giving them your Dropbox or Google Drive folder with everything, maybe set up a testing folder or something like that. It's a great idea. Yeah. Well, I mean, I learned, uh, unfortunately, the hard way, but I certainly do that now. Right. And, and it, it works really, it works really well. Mm-hmm. You know, once you have the system set up and in place, before I forget, I want to make sure that we take a little moment to express our appreciation for our sponsor today. Actually, it's a sponsor I use an awful lot because it's a device I use a lot. It's this device called the Oscar Pulse, and it delivers these pulsed electromagnetic field therapy. It's PEMF. And normally you see these on like a giant mat that you would lie on, but this one is so cool. It's a small little disc, and you can put it anywhere near your body. And so it, it reduces inflammation. It gets, your, gets everything moving again in your body. And for listeners who've been with, with me for a while, you know that I had Lyme disease and have dealt with chronic pain for many years. And this has just been a brilliant solution for me. And I don't have to take any opioids anymore in order to manage that, which, and, and not even, you know, forget about the opioids, but I was living on Advil and Aleve, which is really toxic for your liver and your system. So just really happy that there are innovations like this around there. And Oscar Pulse. The uh, Oscar Wellness has been very kind to offer an ambassador discount for us, where if you put 2BU as a discount code at oscarwellness.com, you get a nice healthy discount to that. And it also contributes to the running of this podcast. So go check it out. If you have any kind of dealing with chronic pain, I highly recommend this device. And there are wonderful people there over at Oscar and always developing new ideas and new solutions when you're dealing with the opioid crisis. So love these guys and happy to support them and promote them on my show. So back to our conversation. One of the reasons I like to talk about sort of these devices and tools that we can use. You're a young guy, you're very athletic, you maybe don't have any chronic pain issues, but do you use any technology to help you really stay focused or stay fit, whether it's a mindfulness app or whether it's, you know, something that tracks your running or what kinds of tools do you use Mm. to make sure that you're taking good care of yourself and you're building that awareness about what's going on with your body and your mind? Well, thank you. Well, thank you. And that, that um, device sounds really cool, by the way. It's very um, cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, I use map my run. Yeah. I love map my run, map my run. Are you familiar with that? App? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that app is amazing because I didn't used to run. I used to hate running. And then I got into running when I lived in a neighborhood that had great trails. And then I got into triathlons and then I really got into running, but I can go back probably six years of data to look at my runs and it's amazing. So I'm actually a huge map, my run fan. I record 99% of my runs in that sometimes very rarely I forget. And, um, I use a flip belt. Have you heard of flip belt? No, tell me more. Yeah, this isn't technology, but it's a little, it's a little fanny pack. It's a, like a, what do you call it? The elastic type material where it's just on your waist and you can slide your phone right in. So you can slide your technology in or any of your keys or anything. And when you slide your phone in, it fits so snug. You don't even notice your, you have the belt or your phone on. It's way better than those arm sleeves. So that combination is awesome. And then my AirPods, you don't have to worry about the cord and all that. I actually have a Google sheet that I access from my phone, which I need to update from today's workout. Mm-hmm. But um, 
yeah, just the Google Sheets, you, you can download the app directly for Google Sheets. And I have a template training log I've been using since 2015 for my triathlon training. And now it's just like logging workouts. So I can look to see what I've done this week. Yoga is the big thing for me, really. It's the, the bridge between the meditation, the body. That's kind of my big thing. And yeah, I'd say that's uh, some highlights. <laughs> but that's awesome. I mean, you're, what you're doing is just being mindful about making sure that you're doing self-care. And there's so many people that don't take the time to do that. And those of us whose lives are very much around sitting in front of a device and, you know, whether it's doing interviews or whether it's doing follow-up and writing and, you know, finding ways to be able to do that where it's not going to be harmful for our systems is really important. So, I mean, whether it's finding an ergonomic sitting position or making sure that you get outside and get enough fresh air or whatever it is, I think all of these different pieces are important. And whether you need to actually track them on a device or in a Google sheet or whether you're good about just remembering them. The other piece that a lot of people have found very helpful. Obviously, there's meditation, yoga, and all of these different things, but is building a gratitude practice. Is that something mm -hmm. that you do or you've ever considered doing? That's a great question. In February, when I was in that deep, 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 deep pit of depression, uh, it could have been March, whenever it was. But yeah, I definitely had my gratitude list. Like It was something I heard, I think, on Lewis Howe's podcast, and I would repeat it like, whenever I felt bad or, you know, whether it be swimming meditation in the sauna steam room or just whatever. And then it would even get to the point of where like the words were kind of meaningless. So then instead of like saying like the words and what it was, it would just like laying them marinate and think about why. And um, yeah, right now I, I'm falling into the same trap, but at least I'm, conscious of it, of where I'm using the current distractions in my life that are keeping me from being truly in touch with myself. So, you know, every now and then it kind of comes crashing back and then it's like, okay, I need, I know what I need to do. And hopefully I'm evolving just enough each time where I don't have a huge pit, <laughs> you know, but um, yeah, definitely attitude of gratitude is huge for sure. Awesome. Awesome. You know what, Sam, this has been such a treat to catch up with you a little bit more and hear about your work. And I'm excited to keep following you and learning more about Clone Yourself. I might have to check it out myself, get over my PTSD and move on and actually find someone to help me out. I do actually trust my, now that my producer is back, I trust her infinitely and it makes all the difference in the world. And, you know, to your point of Clone Yourself, I do try to practice just because you can doesn't mean you should. And growing up as someone that is very adept at technology, that doesn't necessarily mean I should do all the different pieces. There's just not enough hours in the day. And there's other places where I can have greater impact. And so, you know, the other rule of thumb that I try to follow from my friend Simone Jansen, you know, focus on my high value actions. And it really seems like that's what you're learning to do and teaching others to do. So thank you for the work that you're doing. Is there any other last minute notes that you would like to share with our digital selfers out there while we're here? Well, check out Soul Seeker. Heidi's going to be on Soul Seeker soon. So yeah, definitely. But uh, thank you so much for the opportunity to be on your podcast and talk a little bit. Always great to catch up. 
Yeah, well, such a treat. And thank you. And I look forward to catching up with you soon. And for those of you digital selfers out there that joined us, thank you for taking the time to listen in to our great conversation with Sam Kabert. And you can check out his podcast, Soul Seekers. It's S-O-U-L-S-E-E-K-R-Z.com. And his new one that's coming out soon, or I guess it's already come out, is Clone Yourself. So check out both of those. And if you enjoyed today's show, make sure you, if you haven't already, to subscribe and we'd really appreciate our rating and review. It helps the word get out so that others find these great stories. And if you haven't heard any of the other episodes before, definitely check them out. There's been some really fun ones recently and we'd hate for you to miss them. So until next time, thank you for joining us. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for joining us for the Evolving Digital Self. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app now so that you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, please give us a rating and a review and join the digital self-mastery movement to create more conscious use of technology by sharing it and telling your friends. Want to see where you fit on the digital self-spectrum and how it might be impacting your business and relationships? Get your free copy of Digital Self-Mastery today by clicking on the link in the show notes.